be here with you again to uh, open the scriptures and to receive what God wants to speak to us. Whenever you read the scripture, you might think if someone else sitting next to you was reading the same scripture, that you would both understand the same thing. You would both hear the same thing. Oh, I don't want that. I can't hear you. Are you, well, you can't hear me? Okay. Um, the, 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 if you were reading the same scripture, uh, the same book, written by the same author, you would get the same thing. But that's not true. Whenever we read the scriptures, we all hear something different. We see different things. Whenever someone preaches, you all hear the same words, but the Spirit works uniquely with every person, teaching them personally. The reason is because we're all different. We have all different backgrounds, different understandings, different education. Some of you have been following the Lord 50, 60 years. Some of you just five years. So every time we hear the scriptures, we hear something different. And when we read them, we hear something different. Uh, the, the spirit is unique in dealing with us. Uh, uh, Sam said uh, the first time she realized what her gift was. Well, I probably preached on the gifts of the spirit about 50 times over 15 years. So anyway, but, but, but that's it. Um, it wasn't just the right time for Sam to get it. I, mean, I could have told her after week one what it was. Okay, some people are slower, some people are quicker, I understand that. Okay. There's a passage of scripture I want us to look up this morning that I've heard people preach on this uh, many times, uh, and I don't think they've done this scripture service. I think they've, they've done it a disservice in lots of ways. Uh, you might have heard it differently, uh, but we're going to share this scripture together and Examine really what God is saying. It's in uh, Luke chapter 10. It is the story that involves Mary and Martha. And Jesus visits Mary and Martha's home. And he takes with him a number of disciples. We don't know how many. And uh, a meal is prepared for them. So it's Luke chapter 10, if you want to follow with me. And it's from verse 38. The Bible, most of the, the New Testament anyway, it seems almost to be written in shorthand. It's only a tiny little book, isn't it? You could probably read through uh, the New Testament in something like, I would think, about 25 hours, no less. So to read it in a week only takes you know, three, four hours a day, and you could be through the New Testament. So it's a fairly small book. And so things are almost written in shorthand very quickly. And so everything you read, every word means something. It's important that you pick up. Uh, it's not just a flowery book that uh, spreads things out. It's very succinct in the way that it's written. So just try and focus on each word uh, as I read it. Listen carefully, although you might have heard it many times. We're going to do it service this morning. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, verse 38, 
he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, very short account of something that happened one morning, I presume, over several hours. What's our immediate impression when we heard this story? We see a woman who is becoming angry towards her sister. She's left with all the work. She's got no assistance. She complains to Jesus, insisting that he instruct the sister to come and help him in the kitchen. Jesus apparently takes sides. He praises one and rebukes the other. Is that what you got from this? That's what I've heard many times. That's not what's intended here. Not one little bit. The story is often used to teach priorities in our lives. Like, don't busy yourself too much, but sit and study the Word of God. Give priority to the scriptures. Give priority to teaching. That's not very helpful if you're like Sam. If you've got a gift of serving, sitting and listening isn't easy. Because you want to get up and do something all the time. It's not a criticism, you see. We're different. We're different giftings. Some people could sit for hours and simply listen and listen and listen and other people think, I've had enough, I've got to get up and do something now. Also, from our knowledge of Jesus and our knowledge of the scriptures, which are important, we get the truth from this particular passage of scripture. Jesus is not the sort of person who would praise one and rebuke the other. That's not how he operates. See, he sees things. He knows things. He operates by the fruit of the Spirit that is so full in him that he can only walk in righteousness and purity. How do we get this twisted attitude Maybe we're a little bit twisted. Understand? Maybe we're sometimes resentful and angry. And we have outbursts. And so we read scripture from where we're at. You can't do anything else. You are who you are. You've grown up to where you are. So you interpret scripture based on who you are, your background, your thoughts, what you know. 
We can't do anything different. You can't just be a different person. You are who you are. And that's what scripture is. So let's look at this passage of scripture. We've got three principal characters. There's some uh, extras in this as well. We have Jesus, we have Mary and Martha, and we have a number of disciples. They don't say anything and nothing is said about them, but they are present in the scene. Three principal characters. We see one conversation between one of the sisters and Jesus. Mary says nothing. She's not invited to say anything. She makes no contribution. Jesus, as we look at him, he's taking up a position that he often takes up. He's teaching. He's come with his disciples and in the home. And I presume not only that the disciples are there, but there's visitors as well that lived around. I can't imagine Jesus turning up, people knowing about it and not coming. It says they were amazed at his teaching. His teaching was so powerful and so wonderful and so life-giving. They came in their thousands to listen to him and also to be touched and miracles and so forth. So we see Jesus doing what he always does. He's teaching. We see Mary, it says, sitting at his feet. Now, what happened when a rabbi taught, because Jesus was recognized as a rabbi, he sat to teach. For, for him to have the elevated position, people would sit on the floor. So they were beneath, looking up to him and listening to him. We've got the same thing now. You're all sitting and I've got to do the standing. Okay, so I'm, I'm not elevated, but the message is. And so you sit and listen. It said about Paul, it said he sat at the feet of Gamaliel who was a great teacher in those days. So it's an expression to sit at one's feet is to listen, to be taught, to, to listen to what the rabbi has to say. So we find this Mary taking this position of listening to the rabbi, to Jesus, to the master. Martha is busy in the kitchen. She is preparing a meal for, I don't know how many. If he came with all his disciples, there were 12. At Jesus, there's 13. At Mary and Martha, there's 15. How many visitors were there? Did she prepare food for the servants as well? We don't know. There could have been quite a lot of people at the end of the day. There might have been 20 or 30 people that she was preparing a meal for. We must remember that the exchange that we read about is an exchange between people who deeply love one another they were family, and they were friends. It says of Jesus, he loved this family. I don't know about you, but if I have a conversation with people who I deeply love, it is somewhat different to the conversation I have with a complete stranger. The intimacy, the friendliness, the choice of words. I know how people react. I can tell a joke with some people. It's not always wise to tell jokes with strangers because they might not get it. You understand? So you, 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 t you talk differently to people that you know as opposed to people that you don't know. We are told in this story that Martha had a problem. What was her problem? The NIV puts it like this. Martha was distracted. 
What does it mean to be distracted? We try to do something where we're focused in life. We have a job to do, but there can be many things happening around us that distract us from what we're focusing on doing. And this could bring pressure onto us. We want to focus and do the job well, but there's lots of things happening around that are distracting us. She was distracted. She had, it appears, many things on her mind. These many things put her under pressure. We must ask ourselves, was Martha doing anything wrong in preparing the meal? What do you think? Maybe she had the gift of, uh, of serving. Yeah, that's possibly it. So it would have been the natural thing for her to do. Also, if all those people had come to her house, some would have had to have prepared the meal. Someone would have had to... It wouldn't have just appeared, would it, on the table. It doesn't. So she was doing what she had to do. It actually says in this passage of Scripture the preparations that had to be made. They had to be made, it says. It was custom, and it's often custom in this country as well, but more so there that when strangers came, you would entertain them, you would feed them. If you knew they had nowhere to sleep that night, your home would be open to them. We think of uh, being gracious in this country. If I go to your house, uh, I expect to take you to take my coat, uh, tell me to sit down somewhere, I won't assume, uh, to say would I like a tea or coffee or something, that's courtesy, isn't it? That's what we do. We're, we're courteous. So she was being courteous. She was doing what came natural to her to do. She was making the preparation she had to make. Martha wanted to do things well. When you have guests, do you want to do things well? Yes. Yeah. You're not sloppy, you just don't care where they sit or uh, whether you give them a clean cup or... You do, you do things well. Martha wanted to do things well for her friend and all his companions. She wasn't showing off, she wasn't trying to impress, she just wanted to do a good job for him. He was her friend, a special friend. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He had position, as it were, in society, and she would have wanted to honour him as such and take care of him. I suggest to you that possibly she knew that he was the Messiah. This doesn't tell us this, but you remember that later when uh, Mary and Martha are at the tomb of their brother who's died and Jesus appears, you can read it in John 17. Mary is very upset and she goes to Jesus and Martha speaks to Jesus and she reveals there that she knows that he is the Messiah. He is the sent one of God. He is the saviour of Israel. She might have known that then. We don't know that. So imagine him 
such an important person, the Messiah, the sent one who's been promised for thousands of years, has come into the earth and he's standing in her house. I think she would have wanted to get it right. It would have been something special. She might not have known him as the Messiah, but we know that later she does. All of this, you see, adds up to the pressure that's on her. She wasn't doing anything wrong. In fact, her, her way of what she was doing, all the things, they were admirable. And I suggest to you that Martha was doing absolutely nothing wrong. Nothing at all. And I would suggest to you that Mary was doing nothing wrong at all. Some women are hopeless in the kitchen. They just are. It's just a fact. You could say some men are hopeless. I'm hopeless. I'm totally hopeless in the kitchen. If I stand there, Daphne sometimes gets a bit flustered. A bit like Martha, you know, when there's a lot on and she wants to do it well. And she says, are you going to just sit there? Are you going to come help me? So, of course, I make myself available. But I need an instruction. Tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm here to help you. I'll do whatever you say. I'll do just do. Don't just stand there, she says. But I don't know what to do. You must tell me. Martha, Martha was the woman who seemed to take charge in the kitchen. It was her home. It says it was her home. And maybe Mary was just useless. Maybe she was better off without Mary helping her. I think it was a fairly wealthy home. And I just imagine this. I think they had servants. So I'm sure Martha would have preferred the servants in the kitchen to Mary. Martha was doing exactly what Jesus had taught her to do. In John 13, we've had reference to it when we were taking communion about the Last Supper. I think Jesus prepared for the Last Supper. He would have hired the hall. I think Jesus hired the hall. He would have prepared for the meal. Can I suggest that Jesus might have even cooked the meat himself? Well, I never saw that one, Phil. But we know he can cook, don't we? We saw him sitting on the, on the shore, and he's cooking fish for breakfast and, and bread and so forth. So he can cook. It isn't beneath him or to, to cook. He might have cooked the Last Supper. He might have. If he didn't cook it, at least he made preparation for those who would cook it. When they came, they were his guests. He invites them to his meal. He takes it upon himself to wash their feet, remember? It's all part of the meal. It's like saying, can I take your coat, please sit down. If we were doing it out there, you would have to say, can I wash your feet? Or there's washing facilities here. Or someone will come and help you. Jesus was the perfect host. If you read that passage in John 13 where it talks about the Last Supper, it says this, showing them the full extent 
of his love, he did this. Do you know what Martha was doing? She was showing Jesus the full extent of her love by making him feel comfortable, welcoming her, him and the others into her home and putting on the best meal that she possibly could. She was showing them the full extent of her love. That's the teaching of Jesus. It goes on to say in that same uh, uh, passage of scripture in John 13 in verse 15, he says this, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. There you go. She wasn't doing anything wrong. And in verse 17 he says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Sam, you must serve. You must serve with a full heart. You must serve with love. That's the motivation for everything that we do. That when people meet together, they say, Didn't Sam do a good job? She's not doing it for the praise and the accolades, but she's done it as unto the Lord. And we say, that was good. It was good on Friday, Sam. You did a good job, you and Andy. It was good. So, what was Martha's problem? See, the pressure was on her. She wanted to get it so right. There were so many people there. She, she had a lot to take care of. I don't know how big a spread that she'd done, but it wouldn't have been a, a poultry thing. It would have been a, a lush meal for him, the best that they could provide. All these things, they caused her stress levels to rise. And her reaction was not good. See, you can't help your stress levels rising. Can you? You can't. You can deal with one thing, and then two things come along, and three things, and four things, and five things, and all of a sudden you're in your brain, you're thinking, how am I going to solve this? How can I do this? Which should I do first? And, and when you've got enough, more and more come. And so you just feel the stress rising. It's not a sin to feel stress. Jesus felt stress, didn't he? Remember? Just as he was going to the cross and he went into the garden and the pressure came on to him, it says the pressure was so much he fell to the ground with the pressure. The pressure of having to go to the cross and suffer that death and face the enemy and all these things. The pressure was enormous upon him. When the pressure's on, we lash out. And who do we lash out at? Those that are nearest. Always. Because it's safe then, isn't it? They're not going to run out the door screaming just because you shouted them. They've been there a long time. I've been married over 50 years. I've been shouted at quite a few times. <laughs> Sometimes really deserving. Other times I thought this wasn't deserving. But the point is, you see, when we get to know someone and we see the stress rising, we make ourselves a buffer to receive it because it has to come out. It, it has to. It, it, and, and sometimes, 
I hope I'm not painting a negative picture of my wife, because I don't want to do that all that. She is a precious, wonderful person. She really is. But, but that's what happens when stress builds, you see. So it's got to such a fever pitch, she goes outside, and who catches it? It's not even Mary. It's Jesus. He gets the full force of her outburst. If you tell my sister, she says, to get up from there and come and help me, she will. In other words, Jesus, it's your fault that my sister's there. Yes? That's what he's saying, or she's saying to him. It's your fault, Jesus. You only had to direct her, and she would have done what you said. Jesus catches it. Full blast. Jesus neither instructed Mary nor rebuked Martha. He didn't do that. Do you know why? Because his heart is full of peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. It is called the fruit of the Spirit. Do you have outbursts? When you have an outburst, it is an indication that your heart is not completely full of peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. There's no condemnation coming from this pulpit. It's just a marker. It's just God saying, you've got a little bit more to grow up here. It's all, it's all, I'm not down on anyone. And so what we want to do is have our hearts full of the virtues and the values that Jesus had in his heart. So when these things do happen, so I thank God for every outburst from my wife. It's caused me to grow up, you see. Not to, I'm sure, as a younger man, she would have got as good as she gave. But I've been on the journey a long time, and I've realized that is not what Christ would do. He wouldn't lash out. He would absorb it and deal with it. And say, yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. The answer's always the same. Yes, dear. You listen to me, men? Yes, dear. It's yes, dear. Yes, dear. That's it. I mean, you might have to duck. It can come the other way as well, right? <laughs> yes, darling. Yes, darling. You say, come on, be real. I don't want to be real. I want to be Jesus. You understand? Real isn't good enough for me. Jesus. Jesus. I want to see Jesus in here, and I want to be like Jesus. And this is how Jesus was here. He was full of the virtue and the value of the fruit of the Spirit in his life. Martha 
he didn't say this. We don't know everything that was said. We just get a little cameo, don't we? It's a very quick story, which took hours. It was as though he would say to her, Martha, you just need to go deeper into God. You <laughs> say, that sounds like a real old theological phrase. What on earth does that mean? To go deeper into God. It means when you see something in you that the reaction is not good, you're trying to control or manipulate or have your way or come out on top, you need to stop. And you need to say, the world is not all about me. Everyone doesn't revolve around me. What would Jesus do here? He shows us what he would do here. He neither speaks to Mary, and he neither rebukes Martha. The world tells us to keep calm and carry on. That's not good enough. We have within us the Holy Spirit of God. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God came into you. And if, if you wanted more of the fullness of the Spirit, you could have met the Spirit of Pentecost and he would have filled you to overflowing with the same Spirit of God. The Spirit that produces both gifts and fruits in our lives. Going deeper. What does the scripture encourage us to do when we come under pressure? Let me read what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. Casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. The other day, about a couple of weeks now, um, I had lots of stuff to deal with. Uh, and it was mountain, and it was stuff I didn't know how to deal with, so that brings a stress level if you don't know quite what to do, and you don't know the order in which you were doing it. And I just felt, I felt the stress. I felt my guy self going, okay, what do I do now? I do what the scripture says. I cast the care of it onto the Lord. That's what it tells us to do. Cast the care the anxiety. Listen how the Amplified Bible uses that verse. Cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries and all your concerns once and for all onto him, for he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. That's it. I think you've done that. That's how you wake up every morning. I mean, you've got enough on your plate. <laughs> to sink you by 10 o'clock. But as you cast the care of it onto the Lord, you, you must do it. You must cast it onto the Lord. Now, when you cast the care, you don't cast the problem. The problem's yours. You understand? It's the care that you get rid of it. You still have, unless God heals you, you still have to go through a horrible operation and all the recovery things. She still has to go through it. 
I had to still deal with all the things that were piling up on me. I still have to work my way through them, just like you will. It doesn't whip them away, but what he takes away is the care of it. See, Martha still had to do everything that she had to do, take care of it, give the instructions, lay the table, whatever they did, whatever they did, she still had to do it. But she was carrying the care of it. And you can cast that onto the Lord. He just says, give it to me. You say, is it that easy? Yeah, you verbalize it. You say, Lord, I cast the care of this onto you. And I do it by faith. And if anything comes back to, to make me anxious, I say, no, 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 no. I will set about this now. Also, we have the Holy Spirit in us, who is the teacher, who is the one who can guide us into all truth. So I said to the Holy Spirit, will you help me, please? I don't know what to do. Will you show me the order in which I have to take care of these different problems? And will you show me what to do? I trust you in this. Why? As he says here, he loves us with a deep affection and he watches over us very carefully. I don't know about you, but I'm God's favourite. I care about, I don't know about you. He loves me. I'm the apple of his eye. If I ask my heavenly father for something, he will help me. He can't turn his back. I've got four boys. If one of them rings me up and says, Dad, can you do this for me? If it's physically within my ability, the answer is always yes. Actually, the answer is always yes. If anyone asks me, oh, thanks, Phil. You know that now. If it's physically possible for them to do it. See, I, I double and treble booked more than once. Because the answer is yes. But then when I go and I think, oh, I can't do that. I'm supposed to be over there or doing this or doing that. Then I have to sort of get out of it and apologize and things like that. See, the answer is always yes. God's answer is always yes. Always yes. If it's possible, it's yes. You can't get rid of the problems. You can get rid of the cares. To take you to the last verse, and we'll finish it here. Verse 41. He says this, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. I've heard some funny explanations of that. She was cooking too many dishes. What was she supposed to give them? Bread and butter? A bowl of rice? plate of chips and nothing else? Just one thing? What nonsense. See, with all our cares, there is only one thing that's important. I'll tell you what it is. Only one thing's important. You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And he will help you. He will take care of your cares and show you how to work the other things out. But he says to her, did you notice? He said, Martha, Martha, 
Why didn't you say her name twice? You study through the scriptures, God said a person's name twice, only seven times in the whole of scripture. And it was very special times. He saw something in these people that he loved. He definitely loved them. And he saw their potential. And when they were going through difficult times, he would call them by their name twice. Abraham. Abraham. Do you know what Abraham was about to do when the angel said, Abraham, Abraham? He was about to stab his son to death and crucify him, as it were, on the altar. And the angel came and said, Abraham, Abraham, I want to lift you up from this place. He said, Jacob, Jacob, Moses, Moses, Samuel, Samuel, remember the boy? As he was asleep and didn't know the voice of God. And God comes and says, Samuel, Samuel. He was going to elevate this boy to be one of the greatest leader prophets that Israel had ever known. Just as a little boy. Simon, Simon, do you remember? Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed that your faith would remain. Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? He says, Saul, Saul, I can see what's in your heart. I have a vision for you and I will elevate you. Martha was the only woman he said it to. He said, Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. I learned to say Daphne, Daphne. <laughs> She might say, I heard you the first time. <laughs> I've already preached this one to her. She gets this. A little hint there for everyone. You want to elevate the person? God is so good, you know. He is so good. So, so good. And Martha, she was so precious. And so was Mary. Hungry for him. I wonder who knew the more about Jesus. Was it Mary or Martha? Oh, I'm all for people sitting at my feet and listening to my wonderful sermons. <coughs> but when push came to shove, it was Martha who knew that he was the Messiah and not Mary. And yet she was the one who busied herself in the kitchen. Isn't that amazing? You'd have thought sitting at his feet, she would have known a whole lot more than Martha. But that wasn't the case. This, this word that we study is so practical. You live this, you don't academically understand it. There's something about teaching that means once I've heard it, I know it, that's all there is. But I'm not teaching you this morning, I'm training you. There's a difference, isn't there? A trainer expects the person to go away and put into practice the things that they had. Yes, it might be for a lot of you just teaching, academic teaching, but for some of you, it'll be training. You'll take it on board and you'll put everything you've heard 
into practice. He wasn't rebuking her for one minute. He was elevating her to a higher place. Let's pray together as we bring this service to a close. Jesus, you are so precious, so wonderful. Everything you do is perfect. Lord, we thank you for our fellowship this morning. Thank you that you presenced yourself with us. You've been with us in the worship and in the communion, and as we've looked at your word together, you've ministered to our hearts and to our minds. But Lord, we want to go from this place and live this Christian life so when others see us and wonder why we're so different from others we can tell them it's because of one person and his name is Jesus Lord we thank you bless each person here Lord we pray Lord meet their needs as they cast the care of them onto you this week we pray in Jesus name Amen. 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 Amen.